You're listening to Thinking Biblically. Hello, everyone. This is Alan Gillen with Thinking Biblically. Last week, I dove into the subject of COVID for the first time. Not, not personally dove into it. Like so many, I've been reacting, responding, and thinking and discussing uh, this uh, issue uh, for the past year and a half, uh, but I felt that there was a particular um, element to all this that I had some, call it expertise in, uh, to share. It had to do with the the fear factor, and if you haven't watched that yet, because we're going to continue on this theme, because uh, a beloved friend of mine uh, responded to last week's episode and uh, provided some points of critique or comment or asking for clarification and uh, i thought it'd be good to respond to that this time but before we get into that make sure you subscribe to my youtube channel and also click the notification bell so you don't miss a single episode and if you're listening uh through your favorite podcast provider do whatever you're supposed to do to uh to make sure that you get notified when a new episode uh, comes up. I try to do this every Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, up to this point, that's what I've been doing, and we'll see how it goes here on in. Next week, God willing, uh, we're going to be talking about the High Holy Days, uh, the Jewish uh, uh, fall festivals occur a little early this year, and um, my son Daniel is supposed to join me for that to have a discussion about that. So hopefully he'll be able to make it. And um, either way, uh, that will be the subject of next week. And uh, we're probably going to we're going to eventually I have plans to talk about the other element of the COVID issue that I feel that I have some uh, equipment to uh, to speak into. And that is how are we supposed to respond to government in the midst of something like this. And I think there's been a lot of confusion uh, over that, especially from a biblical perspective. And um, I'm looking forward to having a guest to help me do that. We'll see how that goes. Do by myself, maybe myself, and then the guest. We'll see how it goes. Um, But uh, let me tell you what happened. So the next day after I posted last week's uh, episode, which I called COVID-19, The Fear Factor. And by the way, if you haven't yet listen to or watch that episode, I suggest stop this this video or audio now. And I've provided in the description the link to last week's uh, podcast. You'll want to listen to that first because I'm not going to reiterate everything that I said. Uh, And I I think as we go on in in this episode, I'll be able to elaborate more and clarify uh, more of what what I said last time. And so what happened was uh, the, the day after I, I posted uh, last week's, I heard from Dr. Rod Wilson. He was one of my early guests on Thinking Biblically. Uh, Rod is a longtime psychologist, professor, pastor, writer. And I had him on uh, a couple months now, more than a couple months, uh, talking about the topic of anger. And if you didn't get a chance to see that. I'm going to put the link to that one as as well. I found what Rod had to say very very helpful. It's quite actually quite surprising the the route we ended up going. But 
I'll leave that for now. Check that out. So I've known Rod uh, since the the late 1970s when I went to Ontario Bible College, and uh, he was was my counselor, and he was very helpful, and we've stayed in touch through all these years in the various places where we've lived. I love him, and uh, he's he's a great guy, and uh, many insights have been very helpful. And uh, he regularly prays for, for me and my family. And so he has a real heart for myself, and and that really shone through in, in the email that he sent me, the long email, where he shared six points of concern. Um, and I thought, if Rod has these concerns just for Rod himself, uh, it, it's worth for me to respond, to clarify. Uh, but perhaps you're going to find this very helpful too, whether you agree with Rod or you don't agree with Rod. I, I think you'll find this very helpful. Uh, so I have his permission to read most of um, the email to you. And so that's what I'm going to do. We're going to look at the six different points. Points. Uh, the sixth one is rather long because there's a long scripture there. I'm not going to read that, all of that, but I am going to read all of the other ones and most of the of uh, point number six. So I'm going to read what uh, he said, um, a little preamble, part of a little preamble. I'm not sharing every little bit of the email, but um, part of the uh, the preamble so that you know where he's coming from. And then we'll get into this point by point, and I hope you find this helpful. hope Rod does too. So here's what he writes. Because we have a long relationship, and you know I love and appreciate you, I'm not going to give a big preamble to my comments and questions about today, meaning last week's podcast, but just dive in. So here's his point number one. Rod writes, We may have different theological grids on this issue, which is fine, but when you, that's me, distinguish between secular society and those who faithfully follow the Bible— Do you also carry an implicit theology of common grace? For me, that theological conviction allows for God to work within secular society and to employ means and methods that accomplish his purposes, even if people are atheistic or agnostic. So I would not distinguish between God and scientists as you did when you talked about COVID. God may or may not use scientists to accomplish what he desires, but they are not inherently in opposition to one another. I would argue not all secular society is secular any more than all Christian culture is Christian. First of all, right off right off the bat, let me say that I am grateful for all the good and helpful innovations that human beings have invented and implemented and how they serve the common good. I do not believe that we're supposed to kind of live like a totally disconnected from life. We engage everyone from the grocer. Do we have the grocer anymore? We used to have the corner grocer, but you know what I mean. Uh, we're grateful for the for the farmers, uh, for the for the postal carriers, and whoever they are, the various things that human beings do uh, in our good and godly, whether we believe in God or not, uh, caring for the creation one another. All these are, are really big topics. I, I need to be careful. And so um, I'm grateful for all those who serve the common good. But we need to go back to this word secular. This this idea of the secular society in reality doesn't even exist. I tried to explain in last week's podcast this secular mentality 
that separates the visible world, the material world, the seen world from the immaterial or the spiritual world. And this is based on ancient philosophy where um, at one time it was common in in the pagan world and wherever the pagan world still exists today, that um, sp- that spirituality was in all the things of life. Then there was a philosophy, I believe, that was called Epicureanism, based on Epicurean. I knew I was going to say his name wrong. Some of you know better than me. That guy, Epi. So Epi developed this philosophy of, in a sense, kicking upstairs things spiritual from the things of earth. And so the gods were doing their own thing and and they were disinterested in in the the, the world of human beings, so to speak. And that is we've seen this in, in what's called Gnosticism. We see it in this thing called deism. In deism, there's this idea that God created everything, but he wound it up like a clock, if you know what a clock is anymore, uh, a wind-up clock, that is. And He's now, he just kind of, maybe he watches, maybe he doesn't watch, but he doesn't get involved in the creation. And, you know, he left it all for human beings to do. And we may acknowledge him, but he doesn't really get involved. But in in the pagan view, and even in some people that that are trying to think what we might call biblically or Christianly, they see God as so overly involved. And again, there's, there's another big subject. But biblically speaking, the secular world is a myth because there is no uh, complete separation from the immaterial spiritual elements of existence and the physical elements of existence. Uh, they interact with one another. And God always desired that human beings would engage him and engage life in, in this integrative sort of way. Um, God wants to work through people. That was his original plan in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. And when things fell apart due to our first parents' rebellion against God, God's desire was to reintegrate human existence so that things good, things spiritual, the good spiritual things and the material things would integrate well and that that's how we would live life. And I believe that's the point of Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, a very famous passage. Moses is reiterating the journey through the wilderness. He's near the end of his life. The people are about to enter the promised land. And he says to the people, And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Deuteronomy 8, 3. So he's talking about how the people had no food in the wilderness and God provided this mysterious substance called, which the people called manna, which basically means something like, what is it? And he did that. He let them hunger and then provided them with this bread from heaven, so to speak, to teach them this lesson that we don't live based on the desires of our tummies. We don't live based on the things of this earth. We're supposed to live according to what God says. And then from there, we live out our lives on planet earth. We don't disconnect from planet earth knowing God. Because we know God, we actually 
that's how we are most effective and live a most godly life. We listen to God and we do his will within the context of planet Earth. That's where he where he's put us, obviously. You've, you've heard the expression, uh, you may have heard the expression that a person, a certain person is so heavenly minded that he's no earthly good. And that again, that's, that is an expression of secularism. There's this idea that you could even be heavenly minded and be useless in your life on this planet. Well, from a biblical perspective, usefulness on planet earth is rooted in heavenly mindedness and and then we, we see that through the people who the 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 good examples of of, of godly men and women in scripture uh, and the messiah himself interacting with people getting involved in their the muck and mire of life touching lepers and and healing people and feeding people this is what god wants human beings to do and the way we should go about it is by being informed by God's perspective. And, and so I don't, I don't separate, and I don't think we should separate, um, biblical understanding of life from how we are to live that life. And so that finds an expression through the various things that human beings do, including scientists, doctors, and the rest. There's a problem that occurs, and I believe that has been occurring, and I tried to make this comment, when we rely more on human ingenuity, whatever that human ingenuity is, than upon God. And relying upon God isn't just sitting in our homes and kind of and kind of yearning for bliss and serenity in God and then letting the, the world just take its course. It's hearing what God is saying and then doing what God is saying. And so that's that's why um, God sends us into the world to interact with the world and one another in all sorts of different ways. My concern is that in the age that we're in right now, we are relying, even those who, who say they believe God and they, they, they believe the Bible is the word of God, in certain areas of life, particularly something like COVID, we're putting more reliance on scientists and doctors and politicians than upon God. Now, putting our reliance on God doesn't mean we completely neglect political leaders, medical experts, scientists, and all the rest, but as we seek God, we'll be better equipped to interact with government, this science, and, and all the rest. Point number two, Rod writes, your premise that fear is the main or central factor in COVID was not defended well for me. It certainly is a factor, but I'm not clear why you said it was the key factor. Are there any, are, are there other legitimate factors and motivations? A personal example, I have concern about COVID, Rod's writing here, because we know or know of over 100 people who have had it. 120 students in schools I work in have had it, and 25 people we know or know have died, including a close friend. I don't think I have any unbiblical fear as, as a fear as about COVID, whatever he's trying to say, but you, you follow, um, or am motivated by fear when it comes to my concern. I suspect there are others like me. Uh, now, first of all, 
I was aware that Rod was one of my personal contacts who himself knew many people who were had been severely affected by COVID. One of the things that's interesting like that, and this is not to diminish Rod's perspective at all, um, I thought, many of us thought, that everyone would have Rod's story, that we would all know lots of people severely affected and many people who uh, who would, would have died from COVID. When we entered this a year ago spring, that's where we thought it was all going. But it has not gone that way. But that doesn't diminish the fact that some people in their family circles, in their friend circles, and, and so on, many people have been adversely affected by COVID. And my heart goes out to it, and I'm not foolish to think that even though I don't share Rod's story, that it could change. It could change tonight. I'm, I'm aware of that. We're dealing with, with an illness. And one of the things that I think has been obvious is that it has been very unpredictable. Uh, and um, I don't want to go down the, the rabbit holes of analyzing the, the various opinions on it, but um, illnesses are unpredictable and are very difficult to control. And I, we sh I'm glad that it has not been as bad as we thought it was going to be, um, but do really feel for those who have been severely affected. Now, I didn't say that fear was the main or central thing. I did use the word key to mean that fear has been one of the driving factors. It's been a driving factor in policy, in government policy, and in people's reactions. Um, I agree with Rod. There are many factors that uh, have played a part in the whole COVID phenomenon. And my my objective was to focus on one factor that if we could address it, could be a real uh, game changer for many people. Because many people, maybe not Rod, but many people have been terrified of COVID. And the fact is, the media loves, if I could say this, they love stories that have a fear factor to them. One of my one of my children, I mentioned last time, if um, my children are all almost all basically adults, um, and so one of, one of my I want to talk about my kids. They're adults with jobs, and many of them have their families of their own now, and so on. So uh, one of them was working for a, a news station. It was a fairly new station, and he got involved right at the beginning, and he got to work in various aspects of of the news station. And and one day, um, he was still living at home at the time, and he was saying at the dinner table that he had learned, and maybe that's not true for all news people, but it, it's as true as it is true, and that is he was saying that that they don't report the news, they make the news. They're selling, now I'm speaking out, they're selling a product. They're trying to get people to listen. And now with with the 
the dominance of social media. They're looking for your attention. They're looking for you to scroll. They're looking for you to click. And there's something about scary things that draws people attention. So another story I got from, from my son is this particular station, and probably all news type stations do this. Um, here we're in Ottawa, we get lots of snow in, in the winter, but when there'd be a forecast of a particular amount of snow being predicted, they would they would invoke what they called the storm center. And it had this effect of drawing people's attention that much more. And you think as Canadians, we're used to all these winter storms, but still, like we want to know about the traffic and 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 and, and the accidents, and, and we don't want to know, we do want to know, and we find it really drawing. And so there's something about fear that sells. And so the fact that I'm a little, I'm concerned that perhaps the media has made the COVID issue more than it is, or at least people are reacting in a, um, oh, that they're overreacting. That's a concern of mine because overreaction isn't very helpful because then we don't make wise decisions. And that's really where I was trying to go with this. So exactly how much fear plays a part in COVID, that's open to debate. And where you live and who you know and your makeup's all going to be different. Um, but uh, it is a major factor, in my opinion. Now, just because somebody thinks they need to be careful about COVID, that doesn't mean that they're entrapped by fear. I mentioned last time, I spent quite a time explaining about my own uh, hypochondria, germ phobia um so i i do believe it's wise to be careful and some of the advice they were given giving right at the beginning don't you know wash your hands careful what you touch don't touch your face don't touch your eyes some of these things good advice generally speaking and in fact i don't think i'm being overly afraid in that i bought one of these now some of you don't know what this is i got it at the dollar store and it came out during the, this COVID time, and uh, it, it's a it's a bit of a it's a COVID multi tool, and so this part here is so to push buttons instead of using your finger. And actually, like think I remember when we were in a less button pushing uh, world, and saw the transition to a, a very major button pushing. You used to go to the bank, you didn't push buttons. Now to get money out of the bank, of course, now I use my phone to deposit checks and uh, do transfers and all the rest and hardly use cash. Uh, but um, everywhere we go, we push buttons. And who knows who touched that button the last time? So I've got this little handy-dandy tool. It also has this little hook so I can open doors. I actually, I prefer to elbow the, the handicap uh, button to open the door automatically. But if I can't get, if they don't have one of those, then I use my tool and I, and I open the door. Like... People have been touching those things. Um, and you might think I'm I'm crazy. You might think I'm overly fearful. I, I think it's a little wise to to avoid surfaces where who knows who touched them, that sort of thing. Um, and so there is there is proper caution that I believe should be made. Um, yeah. I'm going to talk about them more after this next point. So his point number three, Rod writes, you indicate that we are instilled with fear 
that everyone is a potential threat because they are potential carriers and killers. Is it possible to replace the word fear with concern or we need to be wise or something along those lines? I have a very close friend who died because his family ignored medical advice and met with him at Christmas. I know two other situations where children did the same thing and both mothers died. It's terrible. The fact that I just said that it's terrible. Continuing Rod, the fact children's behavior led to the death of three parents does not mean they overcame fear, but may have been irresponsible. Would, uh, would you allow for that interpretation? When you talked about Robin wanting to be with her grandchildren and not being fearful of dying, it was not clear to me if you were offering that as a spiritual and biblical aspiration that Christians should follow. Uh, so anyway, first of all, in that section about being instilled with fear, I believe I was talking about how at the beginning of the COVID crisis, we were told that we could be carrying it and not know it at all, and actually for a long period of time. And that's continued all the way through COVID. How to know that for sure is still not clear to me, but the fact that we were told that we could be what's called asymptomatic carriers of carriers with no symptoms. So there's no way for me myself without going for a test, we won't get into the how accurate the tests are and all the rest, but um, that I can wake up in the morning, feel fine, and actually be an agent of death to people. And that was carrying us through much of COVID. And so grandchildren were not seeing their grandparents because there was this idea that Children were carriers and very often asymptomatic, or they would just get very minor symptoms. While if and then if they had contact, even without any symptoms, no coughing, no sneezing, no runny nose, um, that they could still pass on this deadly illness to their grandparents. And so we kept the children away from the grandparents, and we were doing the same until we were not doing that anymore. Now, if that really was the has been the case. And it was very, very clear. It'd be one thing. It doesn't seem to be that's exactly what's going on. And people could take me to task for that. But we do we do need to be wise. And, and, and as a principle, as a principle, the issue here is that we mustn't be driven by fear. But the opposite of fear isn't recklessness. So I'm not afraid to drive a car. And I'm not afraid to drive fast. I shouldn't drive too fast, won't get into what that is, but I'm not afraid to go f- crazy fast. When you think about it, the speed limit itself for human beings to go at that speed is crazy fast. Going at the speed limit, if you have a, a, an accident, many people could die. It's very risky, but I'm not afraid uh, to drive. But I think I'm wise enough not to be reckless. So we should be wise. So yes, there are some people that are being reckless in how they're handling COVID. But then there are many other people that are being driven by fear. And that's the main thing that I was trying to address. Um, Back to the reckless. I heard of someone recently who was fully vaccinated, but was running COVID-like symptoms and went to play their team sport anyway. And this is just one of the many things that which this has not to do with fear. Again, this is on the reckless side that I don't think many of us have been thinking straight. And in the case of this person, fear certainly wasn't a factor. That's another story. But then there are the 
what I've been seeing, you're walking down the street. I mentioned last time I live in a very wide open, suburban, single family dwelling kind of neighborhood. And I do these walks and there's regularly, but not a lot of people around. There's no crowds. And first of all, one I'm, I'm going to pass, pass somebody, one of us, I do it too. One stays on the sidewalk, the other one goes on the road. No matter how much how dangerous that might be, but never mind. Um, and there's and that's the new thing, and I think that's because of fear, and I, I think some of that is unfounded, uh, especially outside. Uh, but then there's the fearful reactions. There's the protecting of the children, as if COVID's out there ready to attack people, and that does concern me. And there are many people hiding away in their homes still. There are people who are vaccinated, wearing masks, hiding away still. And I think that's not good. And that's what I was trying to address. And so in my wife's case, she was doing her best to weigh the situation and make a wise decision, a decision you may not agree with. But this is where we need to pray, pray and don't be stupid and seek God as to what's really going on. And are we to be living by every word that comes out of the radio or the TV or by the word of God as we interact with life? I still feel I'm not saying this as well as I'd like to, but I hope I'm getting my point across. Point Rod's point number four. Did I understand you to say from Psalm 91 that we can that sorry that we can't rely on God or on doctors or secular help? And I've already commented there's no such thing as secular help. Human help are those things mutually exclusive for you? When you had your cancer taken off by a doctor, if you didn't watch last time i had melanoma in the back of my neck had surgery and all the surgery happened just before covid when you had your cancer taken off by a doctor i saw that as god using the skills and expertise of his creation to accomplish good in your life it was probably not a worship experience for the doctor but god used him or her for good similar to the common grace comment above but maybe i misheard you on an either or with god and doctors I ask this having heard you clearly say that we should not do ridiculous things. Now, I've already covered some of this, I I believe, but I want to point out with regard to Psalm 91 that the devil himself misused that that psalm. It's a psalm that speaks of great protection from God. He who dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. uh, um, Oh my, let me read it. This always happens to me. I was talking to my wife earlier and I recited it, but now that I'm recording this, all of a sudden it leaves my mind. And I could edit the video or I could just do this right now. And I used to know how to flip pages. Maybe it's because I hardly ever use my paper Bible anymore. And so I hope I'm entertaining you somewhat. If you're watching the recorded version, you can always skip ahead a little bit. Here it is, Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the, Almighty, of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And this is verse 3. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. And the word for pestilence, it means plague, disease. So it's a, it's a great COVID psalm. Um, but So the, the question has to do with, therefore... And I actually had some back and forth with with, with with Rod on this, that he knows people that use Psalm 91 as a reason not to go to a doctor. And I obviously, I don't believe that. 
Um, I had a wonderful time. I won't get into all the details. I had a wonderful time getting my melanoma removed. It was a wonderful experience. And thankfully, all the subsequent tests have shown that, as far as they can tell, there is no more cancer in my body. Praise God for that. And I'm grateful for those tests that um, are hopefully telling me the correct thing. But even the devil misused Psalm 91. The devil used Psalm 91 in, in the Gospels tempting uh, Jesus to throw himself off the temp off the the top of the temple uh, saying that it, further on in in the passage it says can I find it quickly you will where is it yes on their hands there it is for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone so there it is. It says here, whoever this person, the person who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, that person um, also has this promise of being taken care of. Well, does that mean a true believer who knows the Lord will never stub their toe ever, ever, ever? Or is this a poetic? Now, some people get nervous, start talking about the Bible as poetry. There are clear poetic elements of Scripture including the Psalms. The Psalms use metaphor and other all sorts of figures of speech to paint a picture to get a point across. The point in Psalm 91 is not that the child of God is absolutely invincible. And so we could throw ourselves off of buildings and angels are going to gently uh, take us into the presence of God, maybe. What, what would most likely happen if we really know the Lord? To, um, this psalm is not to be taken. That psalm is 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 a word to God's people to know that we don't need to fear danger. Now, there's fear in fear because there's fearing God, and there's the use of the term fear that actually is like this this deep respect for something. An illustration I've, I've used with, with my own kids has to do with our gas stove. And for many, many years in a couple of places where we live, we've had gas stoves and gas stoves have a fire and a fire is very dangerous. And so biblically speaking, um, we should fear the gas stove. Now, in the last house we we're living in, we could see the kitchen from the living room. And we would often have these Bible times. This is where I would you know, teach Bible to my kids. And so I could point to the gas stove, gas stove over there. And to explain about you know, how we're supposed to fear God, the right kind of, that kind of fear is similar to the gas stove. When we're sitting in the living room and the gas stove is in the kitchen, we don't sit in the living room freaking out over the dangerous gas stove. What the, we all need to learn, though, is you don't play around the stove. That's not fearing the gas stove because the gas stove is potentially dangerous. And even how you use it, you're supposed to use it in a certain way to respect that it's actually potentially dangerous. It's quite safe when used properly. And so just like we don't mess with the gas stove, we don't mess with God. We fear God, but we don't live in dread of him as if he's going to attack us at any moment. Now, some people maybe should feel that way because they're messing around with God and his world and are in great danger and have a lot to fear. But the person who dwells, 
and I'm not going to make sure I say this properly. I, I just dropped my funny contraption, uh, my COVID key. Uh, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Those who seek God for refuge and protection will receive it from him if we're doing it genuinely. And so we don't have to be freaked out. And I've been concerned, to use Rod's word, that too many people are freaked out about COVID. And I shared last time, I have trouble with freaking out over a lot of things. And I have to tell myself not to freak out. Because when I freak out, I don't make good decisions. And I don't think, and I I believe a lot of us have been making very poor decisions during this COVID time because we are freaked out. So, um, you know, fear properly used is a God-given thing. It, it keeps us from doing foolish things. The people who are driving recklessly, I don't know, it seems to increase over COVID. I don't know about where you live, but there's been so many, like, the like people being caught for, for driving at crazy, crazy high speeds. That's reckless. Um, and so they're not fearing what the car could do. And they're not fearing the consequences as they should. Um, and so that's the healthy kind of fear. And then being rightly concerned about something, I don't know if I, I, I've commented on that yet. Yes, there's things to be concerned about. And things like illnesses that are affecting many people should concern us. But it's being driven by fear rather than being led by God. That's the problem. And so we must be wise. Point five, Rod's point five. I would love to know how you interpret Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and his response to John the Baptist's death in Matthew 14, 13. I understand those passages to reflect in two different ways, Jesus' emotions and wrestling. Obviously, there was not sin in either situation, but he wrestled as any of us would wrestle with the death of another or our own impending death. He obviously knew the truth, but that did not preclude emotional angst. Emotional angst can be from God. Uh, Yeshua, Jesus, was really struggling with going to the cross. Now, theologians get into, like, what was he actually struggling with, but he didn't want to do it. And he told his heavenly father to, if there's any way that, that the mission could be accomplished without him having to do this, would he please do it? But he gave himself over to God's will despite the fact that he really didn't want to do it. Um, and so human beings experience all sorts of, excuse me, all sorts of emotions. Um, and being afraid, and we're going to get into that a little bit more, a, a fearful reaction to something in many cases is just normal. Um, and uh, some time ago, I hope... Uh, I, Again, when I mentioned some of my children, I don't know who it is, but we have a running thing going because it was so funny. <laughs> some time ago, and you, you, this has happened to a lot of us, one of my sons was vacuuming and I appeared out of nowhere and he just became completely undone and his body flailed all over the place. And I remember, and it still happens to me now, you know, getting startled. Well, getting startled is not a sin. It's just a, a, a bodily and emotional reaction to a surprise. And then things could happen that could scare us. And in the moment, as we begin to um, 
Uh, we're confronted with something. We don't understand it. Uh, we're trying to know how to navigate it. Should we run away? Um, you know, the fact that I, I was walking in one of my favorite woods this some time ago, um, and um, I saw a deer run like crazy. But I don't know why. I was listening to see this deer, and it was a little startling. And then out came the coyote. Now, it kind of funny, I, I had been taught that coyotes were, were, were skittish. Um, but I've been hearing these reports, part of the country where we used to live, of coyote attacks in, happening in Stanley Park in Vancouver. And so it would be wise to be careful of them. And so there I was, standing there. There's the coyote staring at me. What am I going to do? Was I scared? Yes. Did I freak out? Thankfully, no. I stood there. I prayed. I started walking back slowly. And when I got what I thought was enough distance, I finally turned. And again, I didn't run. I walked away. I was, was my life limb in danger? Only God knows. I tried to deal with the situation as best I can. And so there's a place for, for, that, for that sort of thing. And things like grief and sadness, one of my, call it a favorite passage, is when is Paul in, in Romans 9 verse 1. He talks about the unceasing anguish in his heart that he has for his people, my people, the Jewish people. That the same man, who writes in Philippians, which is also a letter full of actual sorrow that a lot of people don't notice. It's in Philippians where he talks about rejoice in the Lord. I always, and again, I say rejoice. That same man had unceasing anguish in his heart. And I believe it's actually reflective of God's unceasing anguish in his heart for his people. So some of these, what we might call negative emotions, aren't necessarily sinful. And so neither is fear in certain contexts, in certain ways, for a certain amount of time. It's being driven by fear, as I said, that's the problem. And I am concerned that fear is driving many of our reactions to COVID and many of the policies concerning COVID. Not um, what to do about that, another story, but I think we can seek God and we need to make grown-up adult decisions about how we're going to run our lives in the face of these things that we're facing. So I'm not going to read all of Rod's final point, his sixth point. I'm going to read his personal comments and summarize the scripture passage. This is his last, I said the last point. So he says, my last comment is more personal about you, me, Alan. As I was listening to you talk about your own fears and angst, I wanted to speak into the screen and say, Alan, have you read 2 Corinthians 4 recently, particularly verses 7 through 12, which he then quotes? And this is the jars of clay passage, which I actually love because it's so well, Paul writes, and it so well talks about human brokenness, human frailty, human weakness, which is still part of our lives, even if we are true children of God. And Paul gets into his his describing what he's been experienced he says in verse 8 we are hard pressed on every side but not crushed perplexed but not in despair persecuted but not abandoned struck down but not destroyed i love the perplexed thing and, and i probably should save that for another time that here is paul the great apostle the man who was a genius captured by god and yet he was perplexed and was willing to tell other people who were looking to him that he was perplexed 
makes me feel better because I'm often perplexed. I've been very complex, complex, perplexed over the COVID thing. But that perplexity has been driving me to seek God. I probably should seek him more than I do. But the perplexity should cause me to seek God. See, one of the problems that I've been noticing from people is this whole COVID time has been very painful for them. It's been confusing. And they're looking for something to resolve that agitation. And whether it's fear or they're perplexed or they're confused or whatever it is, it does create this level of anxiety. Um, and there's all sorts of reasons for it. I'm not going to get into it all because so many things have been fired at us in the past year and a half. And I'm concerned. He's concerned again. I don't think I'm afraid. I'm concerned that people are going to find all sorts of resolutions to their own personal problem with COVID that may not actually be rooted in reality. And that is that's my concern. But I share with Rod the fact that we as frail human beings experience all sorts of tensions and difficulties in ourselves as part of simply being human. And so having said that, I resonate with what uh, Rod continues to say. And this is the, the last two paragraphs of his email to me. As I read this passage, Rod writes, I hear Paul dealing with the both and of the Christian life, not the either or. It is not that he either trusts God or lives humanly, but the treasure is in a jar of clay. The process of being human is one of being hard-pressed, perplexed, persecuted, and struck down. But because of our life in Christ, the Messiah, we also at the same time experience not being crushed or in despair or being abandoned or being destroyed. Said another way, death and life are folded into the rhythm of life. Could a concern with COVID supplant your relationship with God? Sure, which is my concern. But the tone and tenor of your life, it's, he's talking to me, is a desire to please God. So I don't believe every single time you, me, fear you are not trusting God enough. And I should explain that I've struggled with that, that idea. And I can't remember all that I said in, in last week's podcast on this. But I've wondered how much am I really trusting God if I'm ransacked with fear? And maybe not over COVID, but above, about other things. So I'll read that again. So I don't believe every time you fear, you are not trusting God enough. And this, by the way, this is not just for me. This is for a lot of you out there. Or every time you worry about bodily ailments, you're outside of God's orb. If this wasn't either or faith, who of us would stand, could stand? Your family of origin, the way you're wired, your neuroscience, makeup, the life experiences you have gone through have shown me that you are full of strength and struggle, gifts and grime. I've got gifts and grime. You're a fallen image bearer who has deep faith in God, demonstrated over many decades in powerful ways, but you are not perfect. I should read this properly. But you are not perfect. Don't do it all well all the time. Don't have it all right. But you're pointed in the right direction. When I heard you speak about yourself so negatively today in the podcast, I wanted to say, leave my friend Alan alone. Thank you, Rod. I agree. But I forget. Um, being overwhelmed, I wrote this down, being overwhelmed by our humanness should not be, be reason to get negative on ourselves. And that is something that I've done. So for whatever reason, I've, I've been overwhelmed by life. And then I've judged myself as a result. 
instead of going back to 2 Corinthians 4 in the way that Rod was counseling me to do, where we go through rough times and different ones of us go through different kinds of rough times. Now, there's another kind of fear. Maybe it's not another kind of fear, but there's a sneaky way that fear also works. And those of you who fear is not a problem for you, some of you, and you're probably not watching this, the reason why you don't experience the the being perplexed and 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 crushed and pre- pressed on. Sorry, I'm not reading it properly, but the being pressed on and persecuted and perplexed and 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 all that kind of stuff that Paul talks about, or the grief in the Garden of Gethsemane that Jesus experienced, or many of the things that some of us go through. Some people don't experience those things because they run away from them. They've managed to manage their lives in such a way that they avoid the things that frighten them. And for some reason, that list that, that Rod made of that, that make up me, even though I struggle with fear, I tend to put myself in situations that, well, I think I'm following God. I hope I'm doing this podcast because God has led me to do it. Maybe he hasn't. Maybe he has. That's part of the perplexity. But I'm doing it because I believe I've been prompted by God to share some insights that he's given me from the scriptures. And I have such a burden that people connect with the whole Bible. And I've been watching so many of us, myself included, relating to COVID in a non-biblically informed way. But what Rod's correcting in me that my wife often seeks to correct in her own way that I where I know I need correction is that I'm too hard on myself is that I'll note that I'm feeling a certain way or behaving a certain way and I'll put a big x over myself as a result and I should know the bible better than that I should know that those of us who have given our lives to the lord jesus and we have humbly come before him confessing our sins and we continue to confess our sins and not make excuses for the ways we fall short that even while we're falling short that god is gracious to us and he forgives us he doesn't abandon us because we mess up now if we purposely mess up and we cover up we try tried to deal with that a couple of weeks ago my discussion with daniel that i had on how uh, living biblical, like thinking biblically needs to lead to living biblically. But I am aware that when we begin to emphasize the need to live biblically, we could stop thinking biblically because then we start to incorrectly judge ourselves when we should be easier, as easy on ourselves as God actually is. And not some of us need to be harder on ourselves than we are. And others of us need to lighten up. Um, and so, I do struggle with that. I struggle with the fear, then I struggle with the sense of guilt and shame from the fear. And so, I, there, there's two things before me. And I'm grateful to Rod to, uh, that he shared this with me, that I need to trust that God is greater than myself, and that even when I don't have it all together, his arms of love are still around me. And that those same arms can be around you right now, if you turn to the Lord. And what I was hoping to 
to get across in last week's podcast was that there is more, there's something more serious than COVID. And part of my concern, I'm not afraid of, but part of my concern is that we're spending more time talking about COVID, reacting to COVID, investing all sorts of time, energy, and money to do with COVID, and we're not investing ourselves in dealing with the sin factor and taking that seriously and turning to God as we should, seeking Him to hear His voice at this time by knowing His Word, being sensitive to His Spirit, and letting Him lead us even into dangerous places, not recklessly, but perhaps we need to be willing to be in places where we might find ourselves in all sorts of danger because God is leading us there. Again, not, not to satisfy our desires and wants, not to make life comfortable and convenient for ourselves, but in serving one another and loving one another, obeying God. If our fears are getting in the way of our relationship with God, then we are being wrongly driven by fear. I hope I was able to respond well to Rod's concerns. If you have any concerns about what I've been sharing, I know I'm not, there's no way anyone can say any of this perfectly. That's not the point. We need to help one another be more directed in God's direction so that we could be godly, effective people in the, with the amount of time that we have left at, at, at this stage of, of, of life. And, but if you have any concerns, any questions, please don't hesitate to, to write me. You can email me at comments at, uh, do it again. Don't forget Torah Bytes, but that's something else. Email me at comments at thinkingbiblically.org. Go to torahbytes.org too if you haven't yet not seen my, my Torah Bytes writing where I comment on uh, the books of Moses and the associated excerpts from the prophets every week. Uh, also, don't forget to subscribe to this channel. You can leave comments down below. Uh, please share uh, this video or the audio with others. And looking forward to next time. So this is Alan Gilman with Thinking Biblically. Mm-hmm.